There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, folks, welcome to the Yonko table. It's another edition of your favorite podcast. That's right, that's the voice of Grandmaster Hoop, taking the helms from an absent Dr. Jace Attorney. He's not here today. It's because he has not prioritized uh, what's going on in the world currently in tv and hey i'm here and we got some other uh supernovas here too so why are we here we're here for what's uh shaking the craze of the teen world in terms of drama it is the epic hit hbo series euphoria that's right folks that's euphoria and we are going to be deep diving we're just going to pick up where the show is currently at we're in season two episode three but of course, again, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I am with a host of supernovas that you know and you love. So let's hear who we're having uh, words from today. It's the one, the only, Nino Desplazado. Who's that dork? It's Dars. Hi, I'm Dr. Rika from the Yonko Table, and you're not watching Disney Channel. All right, let's get cracking. So Euphoria, uh, what? This is season two. Uh, first season came out in 2019. Had a two-year gap between seasons. A couple of specials. Um, again, I wasn't on the train of Euphoria. Uh, I didn't really care. Didn't bother to tune in. Uh, what is the draw here? What got y'all into Euphoria? Because y'all got me into Euphoria. Y'all brought it up. And that's how I'm here. And I'm glad I'm here. I'm very happy. Um, but what drew y'all in? I mean, I know Zendaya is headlining the show, which is actually based on what? Uh, is it um, what country? There's, it's actually based on another show in mm-hmm. a foreign country. If, uh, uh, Dr. Rico, do you know the name of? I think it's an Israeli country? drama. Israeli. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, fun, fun fact. I don't know if y'all knew that, but yeah. So what drew you in? Were you aware of the? previous show so i was not i the events was that i got hbo so that i could watch um game of thrones and then i kept it because big little lie season two came right after and then i kept it because euphoria had you know came out so and really the interest was just because of zendaya and then i watched the first episode and i was like oh these kids are messed i guess i'm gonna stay and here I am many years later, and it took that long. I, I imagine because of the pandemic and, and all the different folks are involved in, in different projects, but I'm here and I guess I'm staying because I need to know what happens. Right, and a lot transpires in the show. It's a lot to take. Dars, you said you have trouble watching. You have to take breaks between episodes. Is that true? Um, I mean, not necessarily breaks between episodes because I watched it like, as soon as they came out, I would watch it. But um, some of these he- these episodes do get heavy. And it was like, it's very telling on a lot of the stuff. The reason why I started watching it is because I was working at a, uh, doing marketing at a rehab facility. And, you know, they were talking about drugs in this the, the trailer and everything. I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of in the world that I'm in right now. Just trying to relate to my audiences, try to figure out what's going on, try to get a deeper dive into some of these characters. And man, did I get a deeper dive, like learning about like just the way that they they presented what goes through an addict's mind. And it was so telling and it's it was, it's a really cool show to watch, especially with the visuals and everything, too. I, I feel you on the visuals and, you know, not only with the addicts, too, but they deep dive a lot of issues that I guess kind of get swept under the rug in these teen dramas or maybe they're like glossed over in one episode as if the problem is fixed and solved in one episode um but yeah i would say that's my draw too is how it's presented like i mean the only other teen show that i currently watch is like riverdale and that show is dumb 
compared to this. I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun in its own right, but this show takes a next level of realism. Uh, yeah. Nino, Nino Desposado, you're the most recent fan, right? Yeah, um, I, I really got in because everybody else was talking about it. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I finally, I graduated from my graduate program and I said, listen, I have time now. I can, I can live. So um, I think one of the biggest appeals though was its commitment to filmmaking. Um, because damn, like some of these, in season one, you know, they, they had the, its moments, but damn, season two is just, every single episode like is just beautiful and it's beautiful to look at and everyone's a mess but it's so beautiful to look at that i'm like damn all right that's okay i mean uh if there's any it's episode like, there's like an irony in that right like how this is so beautifully shot with such messed up lives i'm thinking like shameless you know like shameless you see a bunch of like messed up lives and like it's like you know it's decently shot. It's not like anything so cinematically beautiful. Layers. But here we come, beautifully like shot, like graphics and images and all this stuff. Layers. Like, messed up people. Right? There are the layers. Right. Is it, I'm so proud. I was going to say, I think something to keep in mind too, uh, you know, Hooper was saying this, but like, I, it stars like characters who are teens, but I'm not quite sure it's a teen drama because yeah. Well, I, I feel like I imagine there are quite a lot of teens who have HBO that are watching it. I think something to hold context with, too, is like what they're discussing is really heavy. And I imagine that the folks that are listening to this podcast would be aware of that. But as we're, we move forward, maybe content warning on um, like there's some heavy shit in this show. Right. And I, I see why a lot of like even my colleagues, you know, maybe don't gravitate towards it or, or consider it as a casual viewing. Uh, because it, it's really happy to watch and, and what was already brought up, but it is like shot so wonderfully and there's so like great acting and um, the, the pieces that are put together technically uh, are also uh, of great interest, at least to me, despite the mess and the heaviness that can also come with it. I think, you know, the more we talk about the aesthetics of the show, that I think that gives you a, almost a sort of comfortability when watching. It's like, something to appreciate uh, as far as taking a breath from the darker and, you know, the more mature themes of the show. Uh, it just reels you back a little bit and reminds you that it's a show. But again, the way it's presented is so, in, for lack of a better word, intoxicating. I don't think there's any show that really presents its narrative the way this show does. And I think this episode, episode three of season two, I feel... And maybe because I was under some kind of influence when watching, but I was mesmerized and like lost in it. So I think we're ready to go ahead and uh, let's hop in this. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all good. All right. So maybe we should have done a live reaction because I, I was feeling a lot of emotions in the origins of Cal. Oh my goodness. I feel like I'm going to tear it up right now. I feel oh so I thought that was a beautiful story. Oh, that was so sad. And then it was the longest intro yet right? in the series. So what we get Cal and his friend Derek and you're like, it's a will they, won't they? <laughs> it's like and then they did. And then they and did. Then they did. <laughs> But then, you know, as much like it really did, it really played a trick on you because you got to empathize with this monster that is Cal a little bit. Like, there, um, because it's presenting Cal, like Cal's backstory. And you're like, damn, that really sucks. And then you remember everything that he's done up to this point, And you're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a hot minute. Where's, I get it. But at the same time, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Like, does it really excuse his actions from, like, previous episodes? No. Do you get a deeper understanding on him and why he's messed up? Yes. But I don't know. Like, that, it was very sad. Um, and then someone brought up a, a, a good point um, that 
like is this why he has so much resentment towards his kids like is this because of oh. like you know oh, like for sure mm-hmm. for sure you know and i yeah. think too there's something to to what you just described as far as like does it explain it yes does it excuse it no and you know i even use that with a lot of the, the folks that i work with um it's like you can certainly understand and explain maybe where parents are coming from when you've been harmed by them but it doesn't excuse that the harm happened and clearly right. he is not a good parent in terms of the impact he's had on his child we don't know much about the brother it potentially brothers i don't know if you've all noticed this but there is a family photo oh. and there are three kids yeah season we've one. only seen yeah we've two. only seen two so well we've we'll seen shelve that we've seen we've seen but we've seen the other brother we've seen, seen one the other of the brother, brothers and we've yeah. seen me we'll, we haven't seen the other one. Oh, I thought there was a little like a little brother or no, that, sister. That, that, I think that was Nate in the photo uh as a young mm. oh no no it was a full picture of Nate. Sorry, it's not the most important thing. I just want to throw right. it out there that you know something to look out for but the the relationship we see the most is between, you know, Nate and Cal and clearly mm. it is unhealthy and it is toxic. And I think then describes a lot of Nate's behavior as well but doesn't excuse that Nate's you know he's involved with as well <laughs> and so i think what is interesting just to kind of recap it is that what the show does really well is that people are like cooper already brought up is like people are layered that like you have you could be sympathetic towards where folks are coming from and, and how they even got to this point but it doesn't excuse the fact that there is toxicity and that there is abuse happening um and illegal ass shit happening oh, yeah. um but we could you see some of the lay of the gray like i think mm. each character has some degree of grayness or, or something that we dislike or something we're like why'd you do that uh, that we're asking ourselves questions over but at the same time we're like okay i do sort of know why you did it because this specific thing and it's attached to this and so i i think it shows just the messiness of just like being humans mm-hmm. um, and, and as much as also- yeah there's also that generational trauma that gets passed down because i feel like Absolutely. in season one you see nate have like the like the grinder profile and all this stuff and i get it, it was to kind of get at jewels but like you never know like what what is really going on in nate's head and like all of this stuff and it also flashes back to the past episode where he's like literally envisioning his life with cassie and like he's having like this whole like perfect moment perfect dreams and in between like those flashbacks or like the the flashes of his future you see pictures of jewels like there and like jewels in the bed and all this stuff so like his vision of what his perfect future looks like may not be exactly what his the future that he wants kind of like with cal like yeah right after that intense moment of passion that he had like his future was totally changed the next morning you know like that's kind of what's I, I can see like the parallels between that and with uh Nate. Yeah, it's the and- it's, it's the projection of the parent because you know we're op- we open with Cal and it's his dad. Uh, mm. you know, kind of what like sit up straight when I'm t- when you're talking to me type of attitude, you know. Yeah, get out of bed. Right. No. And then yeah. you know you can and you can automatically tell too in the next set of dialogue when he sits down at the uh, breakfast table you know he's like i met a girl you know because why because that's the standard that the family has set you know you need to live yeah you know your american dream settle down marry a nice girl start a oh, family i took uh, that scene differently oh no i thought that it was the dad knew that he was gay and i think there was he was in, and when he yeah. was in the bed he's like get up so we can see if you have like a Mm-hmm. and then um he's like no i don't want to get up and he's like fine get to the table and then that's when he's like well i met a girl so that he can kind of detract any sort of train of thoughts that other people might perceive to have right and appease <clears throat> yeah appease the father and whatever misconceptions mm-hmm. he might have about his son Which, i kind of think that that's a common thing in the gay community is that like if you're repressing a lot of stuff like to say something like that to just make someone feel <laughs> better is like it's it it takes less burden off of yourself even though you're feeling like you're in a duplicitous life it's it's something to help ease the moment for right now it's the whole i'm doing something good 
in someone's eyes, you know? Yeah. Right. Air right. quotes. Good. But even then, yeah. Even then, I don't right. think that Cal had the, you know, the words yet, or like the, the the development yet to understand his feelings for Derek until like the you know the gay bar where right. like he was able to find like a safe space mm-hmm. um so it i just i just think it's, it was very interesting that in like very in one scene that you saw like the 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 grandfather of Nate you instantly knew what he was about how strict he was and like his effect on on Cal and i took that scene a little differently i didn't take it so much as Oh, he was looking to see if anything. I was seeing that any type of intimacy between men is treated as like it must be responded with violence, mm-hmm. and and so then that's how things were done. Like I can imagine, you know, a lot of like friends of my grandparents or you know people that were in those times very much do the same thing because that that's what they learned was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like a product of its time too. You know, like the oh for sure, because it was like what in the eighties that they I were. I think it, I think it was pushing nineties actually. I was trying to do the math. <laughs> I was yeah, I was trying to do the math too. Yeah, so I think if, late eighties, early nineties, and like you know back then, like metrosexuals were a thing where it's like you know people who dress nice and stuff. They didn't want the term you know to be homosexual, but like it's it's a way of a, a cop-out in a way or a way to kind of like maneuver the conversation and it was very much a, a thing that people were trying to explore like sexuality like is this a, a an off topic like their parents are definitely against it like are they gonna rebel quote unquote you know like and so it was very interesting to see i love seeing like time pieces of, of these different like conversations and see how people during that time would interact and how they would like kind of feel during all that stuff because it is very important like those conversations were not as easy to happen back then as they are in current times so it was it was cool to see that that stuff and what an opening scene what a i remember reading this thing like the first 10 minutes just get ready and i'm like oh oh gosh i gotta prepare should have should have recorded i should have recorded i felt bad because i was like i wasn't balling but i was ready to ball you know (laughs) uh because again, it's just, you know, say, gosh, again, there's the gray line with Cal. Um, but it's like, you know, uh, you see how he channels his resentment and what he's been bottling up inside and how it's a lot less violent than, say, Nate, you know? So you look at the parallels between the two and see how. Okay. I think he, I, I think he I think he does use sex as an outlet for violence. No, no for sure. He's been in, yeah. For sure, for sure. But you know, Nate on the other hand is kind of like more. Yeah, I mean, up yeah. Here. Um, but oh. no, it's just interesting to watch them handle kind of the same issue and mm-hmm. how they go about it. Uh, shoot, we can fast forward, flash forward to Cal in the current episode in the current timeline. Uh, is uh trying to handle the situation of the missing disc the missing disc right yeah okay you okay but you want to know something that's some bullshit fuck which cal part? which part always, no no it's all all of cal's story <laughs> from in the current timeline because he was like i'm just a concerned father and then when a gun was to his fucking head and Astrid was beating the shit out of him he's like i just want the disc i i didn't know that she was underage and i'm like oh so you're just a Pussy. That's what it is. That's what it is. Oh God! <laughs> like, and Ashtray, Ashtray should have beat the shit out of him more. I'm he just beat the shit out of him. Come on. It, it, a couple more times. Um, you know. I mean, look. It's it was. I I thought I really enjoyed that scene. Um, I'm curious as far as how things are going to turn out. Mm. Um, knowing who has to just right. And I think what some of the fallout can be, especially now that Nate is back to having some direct you know interactions with maddie and also maintaining those connections with cassie and i could certainly see some that resentment could lead to that disc appearing oh yeah shit's gonna Um, hit the fan i i look there 
there needs to be justice going forward. Maybe not in this season, but there needs to be justice for what do you call it? Uh, Tyler, who's in jail right now. Oh, that is true. Right. So, yeah. and I feel like that disc is gonna. I feel like Maddie might realize that she's gonna want to come clean, and and Maddie didn't get to do a lot in this episode. Now that I think about it, for she the didn't... past couple episodes, she's just been banging on doors, smoking a blunt, and saying if she should get back together with them. I think I think you know Maddie's role in this is just as Dr. Rika said, she has the disc. So the game changing move is in her hand currently, you know, mm -hmm. and she is kind of just a question mark right now. But now that Nate shows up back at her door, um, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, of course, probably the abuse is going to continue. Uh, but no, I mean, Nate doesn't know cycle. she has the disc either, right? Um, Did did cassie's reaction saying like her whole blow up saying i'm the happiest i've ever been as she's like crying whatever was that real or was that all fake? that was in her head, in her head. Okay. i thought it was like, real oh, at first things too. are gonna blow up but okay no things are not gonna blow up just yet they will just not no, yet. They, no, will. they will because that's an inner look at that's an inner look at her psych she can't take all this she's in love with Pressure. nate god i hate the fact she's in love with nate but she's in love with nate and she can't stand to see that these two people <laughs> keep coming back to each other who are no good for each other not to mention i don't cycle. think yeah it, it is it's yeah. secular yeah but and i don't even think she's in love with nate i think i think they oh made it a point that she falls in love with everybody with, yeah, she with everybody right and, and they they've alluded a lot to like feelings of abandonment from her father and things like that yeah i was about to say I, oh it's attachment classic attachment style baby yeah I, I, the more, the more I want to get on with my life, the more Freud comes back in and rises from the dead. He needs to stay in his grave. Wait, well, there's there's something to. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Wait, no, who rose some... from the dead? Freud. Sigmund, Sigmund Freud. Freud. Freudism. Sigmund oh, Freudism. Freud. Sorry, Sigmund yes. Freud's the clowns with the tigers. <laughs> no. Anyway. Okay. I, I don't know where you're going with this super. I think the important part of what was shared is that there is something, you know, I also disagree with a lot of what Freud said, but there is something to understanding how our interactions with guardians or parental figures can impact our interactions with other people. And mm. so certainly we, we see that play out with a lot of folks. I mean, with Nate, uh, with Cassie. Oh so, um, yeah. Even in, in some way, you can actually see it within Rue as well. Uh, with Jules, like there's a whole pattern of just like poor relationships with just like, whether it's parental Parent. figures, guardians, that then lead to, um, you know, insecure attachments with, you know. Even sometimes like their sibling relationship too. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of self-destructive tendencies going on. Because uh, I don't know anything else. I mean, if what you saw growing up was abuse that was categorized as love that that's what you think love is correct until you unlearn that and relearn something else and unfortunately if you got people who were 17 they don't have the they don't have that experience yet very impressionable years a deep point yeah wow. and and i think you know it's like i'm getting a degree in psychology i know right I, I figured you'd be really good about <laughs> this type of stuff I, and you see, I think you see it. I think it was most on the nose with Maddie because she was she was really the the pot calling the kettle black when she was talking to her parents um, yes. last season. Like, oh my god, you know, dad hasn't even looked at you, and um, you're the one working on this house, and like she doesn't. Have she doesn't any make the connection. She yeah. doesn't make the connection, right? Mm -hmm. But Brandon, also, I wish we knew and, more about that relationship too. Yeah. Um, it's also, um, what do you call it? Um, I think, and I'm going to bring this back to the filmmaking of this. I think it is done in a beautiful way to most replicate the feelings of teenagehood, of mm. being in adolescence. Because there was one scene, one shot in this, uh, in this episode, I think it was, where Cassie was picking up the phone and she got like devastating news, uh, but it was golden and sunny in the background. And it was in this like like yellow 
kind of pigments and gradients and i was like there's definitely a uh what do you call it a a a, a discommunication between them like a, a dissonance between them on purpose it's done so on the nose because they want you to understand that these things are happening and they're terrible but they're almost extreme in adolescence and maybe we paint them over a little bit too much as well yeah a lot of their things that they go through yeah that's like it could be peak for them and as far as their adolescent years go i mean granted they don't know their world outside of this little town where everybody knows everybody and you know like we said it's a lot of a lot of secular uh relationships and themes going on in these homes to where mm -hmm. that's all they know um so it's just intensity yeah i think that is matched with the technical aspects of how things are filmed um because the folks mm. that i work with who come in as freshmen so i work with college students there is like these intense emotions like what do i do with all of these things that have happened and like all these balls are in the air what do i catch what do i let drop and that's what i'm like seeing happen amongst uh, so many of them it's just they don't know how to catch the things that are actually meaningful and potentially more healthy and growth promoting and just and instead are catching those things that are more so toxic because of the intensity of it. Right, um, which, you know, with Cassie, you know, in the beginning of the season, she was ready to be like, to focus on me. I recognize that, you know, I get in these relationships and I fall in love and I put all my effort into these relationships. And then just the worst person came and picked her up <laughs> on the side of the road, right? Right, like if, if, if anybody else came and found her in that episode, we might have seen, you know, it play out a lot differently. So again, it is the fact that this is a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And yeah, you just run into the same type of people. And um, going back to what Nino was saying about <clears throat> the lighting and everything, um, creatively, different colors have different meanings when you're trying to set a mood for a scene. And it was cool because in Cal's like origin scene, when he was at the gay bar, um, it was they they purposely chose a green light to put over them and it's like the green represents something fresh new new ideas new like new life new kind of like love. journey that you're going in new love and so um it's like it, it was cool because you can see some of that stuff and like the previous episode there was a really cool scene where lexi was in the um the the, the convenience store and it was a like the the cooler that had all of the drinks but then the lights were red inside of it and you don't notice mm. that the lights were red until you feel the tension that is there when um nate's dad comes in and starts asking fez questions and she's just standing there by like all of those drinks and then like you you then notice like the red and then you ne then notice like the anxiety like the heated moment like the anything can snap at any and they do such a good job with doing that that stuff because you can see it in like almost every part of euphoria like whoever is the lighting like director or choreographer or whatever is the cinematographer yeah it, it's yeah. it's all it's the whole creative team because again the when the writers get in these rooms again i felt every time because this episode felt very episodic i was watching it with uh apex and we were like you know everybody got kind of like their own little mini like session mini story yeah mini story in this episode um you know rue has a lot of different kind of aspect ratio she's got going on you have music video rue where she's dancing around to uh call me there was <laughs> uh, i don't know the lyric but another beautifully shot sequence because i'm like and you know and, and i love it too when she goes was i high during this whole time because i had no idea what was going on as far as you know was she high or is this just kind of a narrative break They're happy yeah you know yeah uh but you know no she's she's high the whole time and then and yeah oh um, i was gonna say dar says the background of i love those little bits her little projector bits, bits. <laughs> i love so, those they, I think they this was great. really cool to see like in the mind of a drug like a an addict then how they can be manipulative right like mm -hmm. that scene like you can do a whole breakdown on that scene because that is really what happens and that's kind of how when i was talking to some of the clients like that's how their mind would work is like 
anything they can do to get like the next fix without having to feel like they're being judged or that they're being like that there's going to be something that's going to hold them back from doing that and like right. that whole dynamic with her and the sister and yes like, oh my the door frame i was like man they got it good oh yeah and, that, that, that yeah. storm reed uh kudos to her man i think that was like creme de la creme for her uh in the series so far like she really matched zendaya uh, mm-hmm. yeah that was, it was heartbreaking so- though it, it was heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, yeah, she, she's, you watch your sister OD and it's like, hear your sister talking about doing more drugs. It doesn't matter what drugs she's talking about. Because, again, it's a gateway thing and it's a, it's a coping mechanism, I guess. But it's like, you and she are, said a good word. She said, when you do drugs, it's not like when anybody else does drugs. Drugs. Something that mm-hmm. you have to, to realize that, you yeah. know, their their ability to do drugs is not the same as other people. Some people know and have that thing in their brain that can turn it off. But sometimes with them, they don't have that ability to kind of control themselves. And um, they fall into a routine or into a practice of continuously doing this stuff. And it takes a really, it takes a huge like mark on their family. And so her sister, like feeling that and being like, you know, you can't just, go and do a drug like I'm concerned for you I love you and I don't want to see you like fall down again I don't want to see you OD you know like so and that was the beauty behind the moment because I don't think and up until that point you really saw Gia really kind of taking the you know the mother figure stepping in when the mother wasn't there it was always kind of you know oh Rue's back from rehab she's doing a lot better mom you got to be a little less harsh on her she's trying and then it kind of, you know, clicked for her right there that Rue's not getting better or Rue's just, you know, uh, you know, compensating or just trying to make excuses for herself. And she's over it. I would be over it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like and she's like, look, yeah, like, look what you've done to our family. It's like here. Everybody is supporting you and you are not meeting them halfway. You know? And then now she has to grow up even quicker because she has to take care of her sister. So okay. she gets to lose a little bit of her innocence because she has to step up and, and take care when there's a void. Right. And yeah. There, you know, you, you feel for the mom too. It's a single mom that, you know, she's Watched working. Watched her husband the- die. And, and, right. right. Yeah. And, and, you hey, know, now that we're on room, um, mm-hmm. So I think um, I think one of the biggest selling points when Dr. Rico was telling me about the show was that uh, Rue was an unreliable narrator. And I don't think that I think that it was very telling, you know, it was very predictable beforehand um, as I was watching it, that where this was going, you can tell when Rue was kind of lying or kind of, you know, glossing over the truth. Um, in this episode, this is probably one of the best examples of an unreliable narrator because as she's telling us, like, you know, gaslight, gatekeep, um, girl boss, uh, all these steps on how to, you know, uh, get, uh, get, you know, to, to go back into or to how to relapse and how to get back on drugs. She's talking about this plan and I'm like, oh shit, she has a plan. She has a plan and she keeps telling people about this plan and it needs $5,000 of, of, what do you call it? Of drugs fronted. Yeah. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, so what is she going to do with all these drugs? And then she opens it and she's going to take them. And I'm like, ah, I have been the gaslit. I have been done the gaslighting because I actually thought Rue was going to do something and she's just going to take all that fan. No, I was at face for a minute. I was like, no, you dummy, Rue. And then this the teachers over here, like, if you don't give me my money, I'm gonna kill you. Uh, f- look, that's gonna go so poorly. Oh, yeah. Because like you said, we know where it's going now. And I think a, a lot of folks on uh, the the critics who got to see the first couple episodes talked about episode five. I know we're not there yet, being kind of the rock bottom point. and i think we saw the beginnings of that because we see 
there's some kind of tension with with jewels and we'll get I, i'm assuming we'll get to elegant and what his whole deal is at yeah some point. yeah but so there's tension there because in part because she is hiding the fact that she has relapsed and there's tension between her and her sister and her and now ali right and now she's kind of gotten herself into into trouble in regards to this you know this drug dealer who on the surface seems very apathetic but really seems she, she, she'll get somebody i imagine so the probably the most least threatening drug dealer just you know but she didn't even phase she was like where she was like where's mouse oh, okay i'll do business with you then she wasn't even phased that he'd been taken off the board this, and the, like, again this is like the irony like the the contrast that we're always seeing hey rue by the way if you don't give me my money, I'll kill you. It's like holy balls! Like, why are you saying it's so? Is, I believe her. She I believe her that. too. I, I believe don't believe her. Believe her. In the but first episode of the, the season, the breakdown. Just, yeah, we're starting to see the the build up because, oh, like you said, in that first episode, like this this woman done. Y'all had to strip in the in the shot in the, and you still went back with the girl. So we're we're definitely seeing the workings of whatever rock bottom looks like. Man, but that uh, that, that first episode when he was uh like having her stripped down in the shower, like right. I was like feeling so uncomfortable and like I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. This I mean I didn't I didn't think Zendaya would strip down. I think that's in her contract, but it was I the tension was high. The tension was really high. Mm. Right. Yeah. Show does a really good yeah. job at capturing what doesn't seem like should be a tension high scene like with that teacher like in this episode but you know this teacher is like she means it like she's you know she's all walk she ain't talk like and but bruce high too and that's why it's so like weird to watch because you're like rue you're an idiot you're high this lady's gonna kill you like you're not making a like a good decision right now it's frustrating to watch her and that's what makes it, it so it's good so frustrating absolutely it's, especially when she tells like throws ali's problems back in his uh, fucking face the only per like the only person like besides i think well fez you can argue that yeah he's a drug dealer and he gets by association involved in his stuff but Ali is the only one that's just like, I, I'm just to ride home. I want to make sure you're okay. And I will never judge you. And then she goes and tells him to basically fuck off. Like, right. And oh, heartbreaking. Is, none of y'all watch the special. Is that correct? No, I'm going to go probably watch well, this now. What I will say, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the, the basis of at least Ruth's special, although I think it is. Jules gives important context as far as her relationship with her mother and why uh, Rue's potential relapse and now it's not potential anymore would be so triggering for her. So I'm very concerned about where that's going to head. But um, specifically, Rue's is just about connecting with Ali. Like the whole episode is them talking. And so you get that connection. You see where he's coming from. He shares about his life. And, and like you said, he genuinely actually does care about her because he sees himself in her. And yeah, that was a, was a hard scene last night in terms of her starting to kind of whittle away all of her relationships or any type of support that she has. So I imagine, yeah, it's probably 10 times more disheartening given that context. Oh my, <laughs> I, I'll probably watch the special and then rewatch that scene just mm -hmm. to kind of get hit more uh but yeah she, she's a it's very hard to root for rue i don't see it going well in the future and uh, speaking about also her relationships i feel like with something like this it's definitely going to push jules away and <clears throat> oh hands down weird because like at first i was like all right i'm team rue and elliot like they, oh, they really? kind of, like i i'd be for it mm. And then like Jules came back, I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, it's ruined Jules. And then like, now you start to see a little chemistry between Jules and Elliot. And I'm like- That came okay, out of left field for me. I don't know. Uh, the, all the things he was saying to Jules, I was like, oh. He's got, he got, he's got, let me tell you, he's either the bravest man or the dumbest man. Because he really said, yeah, I got a crush on your girlfriend, 
by the way, you're really cute. Um, unapologetically in this episode, and I'm like, hello. I... Well, I mean, also to be fair, I don't think he knew that Rue and Jules were a thing. Well, Did he, he he asked. He asked. He was like, but he asked yeah. after. I mean, he asked in this episode, if I'm not mistaken, during that in I, when him and Jules were alone. I'm pretty sure he was like, they, Are you... did they not? Were they, they not didn't... introduced to each other in episode two? No, they yeah, they met. They, were, yeah. they met because, yeah, in episode two, you're right. Uh, she was like, you know, and she had to come up with the whole convoluted lie that she wasn't doing like, drugs. Oh, New Year's. That's right. Right. I'm pretty uh, sure Rue introduced Jules as her girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, I think they did. I, I think she did. I think he knew. And then they kissed in front of him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. No, they also context. fucked in front of him, too. Oh, we're, or we're about to. They were about to. He was in the bed. And she's like, he was asleep. He... Uh, that's yeah. in front of him. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> if I got track, that I, at least I personally can't get a read on him. I can't get a read I'm, either. I'm yeah. not really sure where we're coming from or what we're doing or what the point is yet. Maybe that's, that is the point is to not know. Sounds like a and wrench in the car. Could be. I mean, yeah. we also haven't seen someone who is a drug user, but not an addict. And I wonder if that's going to be like a, a wrench in Rue's vis- visualization of, you know, I want to be able to use drugs and not be, you know, taking it to the next step. And yet here is someone who uses drugs pretty fr- frequently, but doesn't have a problem like Rue does, you know? Mm-hmm. So could be in a, a way like that. And then she has to now kind of figure out like, well, what's wrong with me that I'm different from someone like him? Like she may think that, you know, I could use drugs just like how he does and I don't have to overstep my boundary. But then realistically, she can't really, like she will overstep her boundary. But um, he doesn't know though about Rue. And no, he doesn't. Rue, yeah, Rue's, you know, ODing. Ruin rehab. He doesn't, right? He, he doesn't, doesn't know. He doesn't right? know. Oh, oh, he doesn't know about all that. But the girl almost died in front of him on yeah. New Year's. Oh, and right. Oh, my like, gosh. With the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. You're right. He was like, mm-hmm. I- I'm sorry. If someone ever, being, being a former, you know, thingy myself, if someone ever said, check my pulse, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's going to be something that you'll never forget. And then you'll be like, oh, so you, you definitely have. A little Something's bit going on issue. here. Yeah, right. like, too, I anticipate. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> or she's she's hiding it from from uh, Jules, and she told him like, "Hey, don't tell Jules I'm doing drugs." Like, you know, like, all right, now he's gonna have to lie for her. Like, if that wasn't another red flag, you know. Well, now he has to lie for her, but now he's, I guess, catching feelings. You don't just tell uh, a girl she got Kurt Cobain hair without that trying to be some kind of coming on to you know like Hello. come on who says that yeah. yeah there's something um i guess we'll see how it plays out i don't i don't think i've just spent a lot of energy trying to guess but it is of interest right yeah. right that's yeah. yeah that's something i just kind of let unfold but um did y'all watch the thing after uh like no the, the thing you don't watch those things oh after? yeah yeah the, the making of or like the behind the scenes or whatever it is yeah i just i yeah. just really I, I didn't notice it until watching that just how kind of how jules has transformed a bit uh this season uh mm-hmm. like i did not realize you know she went from that you know kind of like i don't know how to call it like that barbie doll look with the long pink hair and the whatnot i don't know she just looks more in touch with herself this season uh, i agree if you watch the special. Okay, see, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep... The thing is, I think the specials, they did a smart job of like, you can watch the season without watching them, but it does give context to where she's at, which is why I think it impacted her look and her, you know, her attitude this season. Right. Because of some of what was discussed in that particular episode, so. See, because I, uh, I, I don't remember them leaving on good terms at the end of season one. Oh no it was not good terms so that's no. why i was very confused when they were at like the bonfire and like they just picked up like normal you know so maybe i i, I mean not maybe i definitely have to watch those specials well, they didn't, yeah but they were there 
they I think they're at a point where they care so much for each other that they don't care about all the bullshit that Fair. they you know yeah. that they experience with each other so it was very much kind it, of don't talk about it like it mm. happened let's leave it in the past and move forward mm -hmm. Which, and also yeah and also rule is the remember we're seeing a lot of um rue's interactions with jules through the eyes of rue so there's a lot that could not be like i don't trust anything that i've seen in this season thus far i am sorry like after after this episode i'm like what is true what is real what's going on like how are these characters actually feeling or how are, how are they not feeling you know and that is a, that the great... is why i suggest a special i'm gonna keep saying it mainly because jules episode is literally just her perspective um and so you mm -hmm. don't have that interplay of that rue providing the narrative to it Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's what I'm so glad you said that because it, it does make an impact that like every single episode that we see of just the series itself is it starts with her starting a monologue about wh whomever you know we're focusing on and so it is her she's the protagonist so it is her perspective but it is highly unreliable one do um, we get her perspective when it comes to like other characters or do we get the other characters perspective I think I think when she ever she introduces the other characters I think she has a, I feel as if this is future Rue looking back on these situations. And is it? I, I, well, that's no, what I, I that's like, what I assume. Is how does, how does, how does Rue know the story of Cal? Unless she one day sat down with Cal and, you know, kind of, you know, try to understand with, where he's coming from. That's the I thing was, with unreliable narrators. They don't need a reason to make you believe a lie. Well, and, well, that's the thing, because if this is a lie, will we ever get the actual narrative of what happened? Because if she is as unreliable as people say, yeah, what do we know to be actually true? If the special gives, uh, you know, more uh, insight from Jules's perspective, maybe she maybe things weren't going the way Rue had been describing them the whole time. And so you're shaking your head as in, yes, that's what's happening. Got it. <laughs> now I got to go watch the special. Now I got to go yeah, watch, I think, watch I, the special and then rewatch season one. So I can be like, oh. Well, yeah, I think there, it just adds an extra layer of context to the fact. I think some of what Rue shares, there's an element of truth, but there's also just her own spin on it and her own judgment too. I mean, it's still coming mm -hmm. from her and any information you receive from a person is still going to be biased in some way. And yes. even information that you receive from it, like any information ever in the history of all it existing is going to be biased in some way. Mm -hmm. There is some degree of agenda attached to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bias is good, sometimes it's not. And so, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to see how things play out. There is, yeah, it, it, there's so many different ways this can go and uh, I am certainly, I like that they are bringing in, like you talked about this episodic nature, that there are just so many things happening at once. And we get kind of a peek into all these these different characters and their experiences. Right. Uh, Let, yeah, let's talk about Lexi right now. Okay, I was like, literally like, about to say, talking yeah. about It's going to open up a can of worms. Oh, you're talking about, oh, the play. Yeah. Oh, Oklahoma. sure. Oh. Also, I think, yeah. Ethan, I think Ethan was cast as Nate. I think so too. Yeah. Oh, the, the when he said I got the part. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Uh, cause who's, it's, it's based on everybody, right? The play. Mm -hmm. I'm, I imagine so. Like, silent observer. She just watches. Right. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh God. That, that gave me that. When you said that, that gave me a, what do you call it? Um, Goose what's pimples? that guy from no what's that guy from gossip girl vibes uh Who, dan dan <laughs> wait dan uh the main character dan yes the main character dan uh has everyone seen was, gossip girl i've only seen the new season dan is oh, gossip girl ah! oh i knew that oh okay you should also put that as a spoiler on the podcast ah, it's been out for years oh, no. ah! <laughs> statutes of limitations ah! <laughs> sorry um 
Back to Lexi. Back. To, it wasn't it really cool how Lexi. They said she was yeah, like character. on a TV show set. Yeah, a character. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. It was I thought it was. I thought it was great. Where she was like, and cut. Like you know. But I mean, in a way, it's super fucked up that like when when there's conflict happening, it's escapism. Like she totally escapes out of reality. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I'm I'm not here. I'm not going to interact. I don't want to be part of this conflict. So I'm going to be in my safe space and feel like I'm the one who's calling the shots. Feel like I'm the one that's the director. Feel like I'm the one that you feel like you're the main character. She's the main character in her story. And I I don't even know if she even wants to be the main character. I think she just wants to be the one that's kind of controlling the environment that she's going to be a part of, and that's why she kind of goes in this escape where if it's not going to go in the way that she's picturing it and then it's a movie it's a it's a it's a show it's a ruse you know like and that's it's the drama it's for the it's, drama right yeah. it's a lot deeper i feel like psychologically than like what what it just was mm. it's also very good meta commentary on the show's part because uh, uh even though these things the this show feels so real sometimes uh but being able to understand that it's just a show and we can walk away from it but these characters are trying to Lexi's literally trying to become an audience member or even mm. someone like a part of the crew but she can't because she's still a character it's just very very mm. funny oh also speaking of perspectives did you notice that when she was calling like the shots and doing the direction Rue came and sat on there and she was just uh, high hot mess like she was like yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. Like, it was great because bro. rue is playing the fictionalized rue in lexi's head well which is i think pretty it, accurate to the rue right and that's the thing is like her sitting down and just being in the chair kind of gets you out of the perspective of rue and now you're in the perspective of lexi and, and how and she views that's her. how people really view rue as yes. like sluggish like slurring yes you know person that's like just like uh, not coherent with what's going on around them and right. that was really, and then also do the names have any correlation to the israeli tv show because her name was jade yeah, I, have no idea. Yeah, I don't know i don't, but, I don't know but, literally that's all i know is that it was based on that that's all i know but you know um what do you call it um having rules even sit and have like an interview that there is an existence where rue still is outside of the tv show for Lexi says a lot because I think that I was there another character that they got like a seat and like with an interview style no I think only Lexi Rue. Lexi and, and Rue, Rue got one so it's it's really telling that Lexi still like loves Rue like not of course a platonic but still like has this very strong emotions and attachment towards Rue mm-hmm. uh, after everything that even though she's still you know this person that Lexi can't even recognize anymore almost that there's still a, a place for her right. I find that very telling they've been best even, friends since pre-k and then even with like the escapism like when her mom said that Rue overdosed she like went back and said like, this whole like alternate like okay like uh, this isn't real life let me go and try and make this a movie set let me try and make this like something that I'm a character in or this is a drama that I'm a part of like outside yeah, of my it, re- I was gonna say that we see with the the two sisters uh that there's this this juxtaposition that Cassie has to like immediately try to find connection to fill in whatever she maybe perceives as missing in her whereas Lexi pulls away and creates more space mm-hmm. and kind of dissociates in, in, in all this so I, I think it is well, except with Fez. Except Fez, except with Fez. Yes, that is very interesting. Um, well, that's because Fez, Fez sees her. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Lexi gets overshadowed by Cassie. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Fez said it best. He's What do he say? He's like, you're the coolest person here. Like, how do you know all this shit? <laughs> he sees I mean, her. And you and know what? In, in place where she feels like she's behind the scenes being seen i feel like is monumental mm-hmm. yeah be, and you know it makes me feel that there is a cinematic parallel with the season two of fleabag 
with the priest. I was gonna say that. Did you just read? I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> By the I way, just, people yeah. who are listening to the podcast, watch Fleabag. Anyway, yes, there is in terms yeah. of like <laughs> between Fez's relationship with Lexi, because it, especially in this episode, um, or as season two is building out in Fleabag, there is a definite like narrative mm-hmm. distance that Fleabag has and then the fleet the the priest can literally just see right through and even questions her on it the same thing that who, Fez are, you, does. who are you talking to yeah yeah and then Fez is kind of like why do you do that why do you deflect you know like and she's like uh what <laughs> so I think I think it's interesting and I'm just I'm happy that it's a very interesting pairing that I don't think would work but then somehow it just does, and I'm rooting for them. Like I if am rooting for them too, because you know the layers of Fez. It's really hard to like Fez sometimes, because I do feel he is some some bit of the root of Rue's problems, and that's why their friendship is so interesting too, uh, and how he considers her family, but has put her in this predicament. But he he rides a great line, but he I would like to say he's a good person. You know, I would. I mean, like situation is chaos, and in a way, Mm -hmm. she was a product of chaos. Like her home life was very chaotic. Right. So, in a way, even though he sees her and she's like, "Well, this isn't right for me," she feels comfortable because she feels comfort in that chaos, and she knows that like Mm -hmm. the high risk is me being with him, but then the high reward could also be me being with him so very interesting in in that dynamic and i know nino has an idea of who he'd like lexi to be with and i wonder if he's going to share it on the podcast is it not fez you just said you were rooting it is fez oh it is Fez. who was it that had the somebody said ethan yeah in our little oh no hooper tv hooper tv said he was rooting for cat and Uh ethan yeah, I don't. You can't I don't take know a, if I really you care take it, for them. Eh. You can't take it's an something. admiral's opinion anywhere. I will say <laughs> there, there's something that uh, one of the the critics said is that because there's just so many characters that you have to like juggle. Some characters are going to take a back seat, and yes, and they were saying that Cat is the one that that kind of falls by the wayside for this season. Although I did really King. like. The scene from uh, last episode, but I, I think ah uh, yes, love it yourself. feels like <laughs> because love maybe yourself. some of her her concerns are a little bit more internal, like she's navigating depression, anxiety, yeah. um, insecurities but, if, mm-hmm. that aren't quite like I mean Ethan can be impacted by it, but like some of the other concerns folks are dealing with like directly impact all these. Folks or right they're all so intertwined they're kind of out in there yeah i mean so even wonder. them their own chaotic life <clears throat> i feel like cat is like my life isn't as chaotic as theirs like i feel boring compared to them i, I think don't that know feel bored <laughs> in that relationship i think she needs That'll to take a step back because yeah. uh, uh, doing what she was doing kitty queen i don't know that sounds kind of chaotic to me Right, controlled chaos. Like she, she means it. She she misses it. You know. Right, right. Yeah. No, exactly. With the Dothraki coming in and like <laughs> conquering her. Can I just say that Dothraki sword was not accurate? It was not. It was actually that was a that was a claymore. Um, Dothraki carries sickles, if I remember right. Sickle swords. You are okay, absolutely right. Okay, sword knowledge. Right, right. Just just <laughs> throwing that out there. And also that Dothraki was very fair-skinned. Dothraki are known to be really strong uh, on the melanin count. Okay, just throw that out there. I think they they did well with what they had. They didn't (laughs) want to exactly get Jason Momoa to come out and be on Euphoria, but... Yeah, I don't think that'd be a good good visual of Jason Momoa just coming out and... uh, Stop it right there. Stop it right there. We good. We get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know... we're, regardless, I think her her storyline is is the, it's the weakest, maybe so far. Yeah, now. the weaker than McKay's right now because McKay has the jack shit. Yeah, who cares about happens. McKay? I'm so dumb. Get him out. I'm I care about McKay. That was aggressive. I, I want to know. Yeah, that was aggressive. Yeah, that was aggressive. 
I'm very critical I, of the actor, Algie Smith. I'm sorry. That's oh. just, yes. I like I him and then I don't like him. Uh, okay. He did the new edition story, which he was really good in. Uh, he was, was also he in, in the hate you give. He was in the hate you give. Yes. The hate you give. Yes. Yeah, I think I think they just done them wrong by him just in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Kinda. there is some critiques that could be made about uh, the lack of representation in terms of dark skinned folks, specifically mm. dark skinned black folks. And so he's kind of a it's like, oh, the one you had is now kind of fallen by the wayside. Y'all didn't really give him a lot to do. He did this. So there's some critiques that we can have there. Um, they, well, maybe, they set maybe him up. Picks up. Yeah, maybe it, I mean, up. it could, but they definitely set him up, putting him, making him older than everybody. You yeah, know? they did. So it was like, how do you bring this college kid back into the fray? You know, making it make sense. And he has, a, the- he has a really... A really good chance of an interesting story because he's dealing with ideas of like expectations mm-hmm. but they they're very they're they parallel nates but they go in a completely different direction um because nate just turned into a psychopath uh with no remorse for anything and mckay's actually dealing like dealing with like having to conserve and like take inward his emotions to not be phased by anyone it's a really interesting storyline and i wish they would go back well i there, but I, I think they did a good job with mckay in season one like uh and you know with you i i didn't even think about the parallel between his dad versus cal but you're absolutely right because you know he was taught to channel that into explosiveness predominantly for the field but then you had that scene with the frat boys in season one and he channeled it as he was taught. He just channeled it into Cassie, which was not okay. You know how he's supposed to bottle it up and explode. So that was not that part was not okay. Uh, but it is, it is interesting the parallel. So I would like to see McKay and Cat and all these other characters who are not really doing much this season make it make sense though. Make I mean, it make to sense. be honest, I feel like Maddie has taken a huge step back too. She like, has too. She has too. Her. And I want to see I what think because happens. her time is coming because oh, she got mm-hmm. missed. Like we said, so no yeah, matter how yeah, no matter how much she takes a step back, she got a her little Joker card. Like she's ready. Yes, yes, that is a that is that yeah. It's gonna. She is the the time bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got the trigger. She ready to. And she's blow. like the worst person to have it too. <laughs> if we talk about all the characters, well, as far as that family goes, it's like. She hates that fucking family because they don't like her. So uh, I'm yeah. not supposed to be here because I'm, that's when I texted our group chat when I watched that scene where she's like, I'm not supposed to be here because I'm dressed like a hooker. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the, the carnival, the, <laughs> which I thought mom the, that might the be my favorite word. episode too, the carnival. Uh, carnival is such a good episode. It was a really good episode. Yeah. But um, I think we covered all grounds for this episode. And I feel like what's cool about our deep dives into this is that we get very psychological in it. And like for our viewers or our listeners that are out there, you're welcome for this free therapy session. This is just a sample for when Dr. Rika becomes a full-on therapist, she will charge by the hour. Right. You hit her up. Because uh, whatever you do, if you listen to this cast, we are not liable for what you hear and what you do after. I mean, I am also not liable. I just... Don't lump me in there. <laughs> right. The okay. Right. We got um, we got licenses that hang in the balance based off of what y'all do. Don't associate. <laughs> That's why I'm Grandmaster. Who. <laughs> y'all don't know my real name. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I think this was. Uh, it, I think the season's gonna, gonna shape up to be quite interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Can can I can I count on y'all to can I count to see y'all next week because this would be great to do again uh, and I think the is like that too maybe uh, yeah. live reaction Maybe. I don't know if episode uh, five is rock bottom then episode four is getting to rock bottom I don't know if I can yeah. I, I don't know, you know what we should do try it. to do, do, do anyway. chaos we should just try to do a, we should start you guys take baby steps do a watch party then do a live reaction 
you know. Okay. So do a watch party for episode four. I watched it with Apex party. last night, and that was quite the experience. We had a good time eating Popeyes and then popping this episode on, uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, under certain influences that I will not digress anymore. Um, yeah, you'll see. Uh, right. we'll, you'll see us again. We'll be back. Okay. We'll be back. All right. That's what I like to hear. That's the energy. Well, listen, folks, we're going to close out this episode of the Onco Table covering Euphoria. Y'all tune into Euphoria. New episodes, 9 o'clock uh, Eastern Time, uh, 8 o'clock Central. Central, yeah, 8 o'clock. Hey, 8 o'clock. I, I learned a time zone. Uh, HBO Max or however you watch HBO shows. If you want to tune in, we try posting these either after the episode or following Monday. So, yes, you know, tune in for more. Hopefully we get some more people hopping on this euphoria train. And of course, the Yonko table. We have a wide variety of topics we cover. So go check out our catalog. Again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All your social media needs are met. Listen, I'm Grandmaster Who. There's Darce, Neil Desposado, and Dr. Rika. Y'all have a good night.